Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Frey, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Keep on till they can ignore you. Put it up for the Wigan Warriors. What's up, Cam? Hello, Donald. Oh, <laughs> you went with the Donald. Would you prefer Lieutenant Don? If my last name was Trump and you were calling me the Donald, I'd probably be like, boom. That's right. Don't forget it. Hey, if you were the diff, if you were actually Trump, that'd be pretty cool because then I get to say I was talking to Trump. But do you, do you think it would help any either one of us in our sports marketing programs? Do you think either one of us would pick up extra partnerships if? I, you know, I was Donald Trump or we had Trump on the show. Let's even go that route. Like, it's I'm pop- sure it would probably help our ratings, but I don't think it'll help our sponsorship efforts. See, that's always the problem with having somebody famous on. It helps your ratings for like a hot five minutes and that's about it. It's a true story. It's like those. It's, but like- it's a good thing we have you on every, every week. So then, you know, our, our ratings just spike. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think our ratings when when we're doing this and when it's just you and I, I think our ratings remember the uh Galaxia game video game in the arcade? Remember how the Sorry, little, that was a little before my time, you forget I was born in nineteen eighty five. Always with the old jokes. <laughs> Funny when this one is. Well dude. What's up? Right, so how are things? Man, I'm busy. Uh, but don't we always say that? We always say that we're busy. Uh, and so today, today being Tuesday when we're recording, right? We are preparing to embark on an 11-hour road trip to the College of Charleston in South Carolina for College Orientation Weekend. For, nice. For the oldest one in the house, Emily. Yes. So there is a lot of packing because, you know, we're going to, we're doing college visit now. We got to have some clothes. We got to look right. Um, we're going down to the coast. I'm actually, I'm kind of excited. I'm going to get to drive through my home state, you know, good old North Kakalaki. Am I going to be able to swing through, grab me a Bojangles biscuit, sweet tea, <coughs> and maybe even some Bowberry biscuits nonetheless. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're going down to the coast. The weather last week before we left, uh, you know, we were up in Norwalk. We were look, looking into the weather. I was like, man, it's going to rain every freaking day down there. It's going to be miserable. Uh, but the weather is starting to change a little bit, and I'm kind of excited about it. Um, going as a family. Dye's going as well, making the Sweet. trip. She's going to get some we, – we hope that we get some good, solid exercise in, and she continues her rehab and, and therapy to uh, – Continue to battle the big C, and uh, we will just keep uh, cracking along as we will come back and get ready for 4th of July, my friend, 4th of July. 4th of Julio? Well, actually, you know what? I think that makes you makes me like a big idiot, because isn't 4th of July like next week? Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty sure you're off a week. My you should look at your calendar again. Well, I do know that we're going to... South Carolina this weekend. I have three women, <laughs> women in the house that are keeping me in line, knowing that we're going to South Carolina this weekend. Nice. <clears throat> well, that's cool. But yeah, the the Fourth of July, uh, America's birthday is coming up, which is pretty cool. Uh, 
Where will I be? Racing somewhere. Oh, Epping, New Hampshire. And I will be in Indy. Indy, I like Indy. I will be in Indy for the divisional NHRA D3. You finally get to drive that thing? Finally get to drive it. Going to try to drive it like I stole it. Have a good weekend in Indy. So you'll be in Epping. Show cars turning into a race car this weekend. Yeah, no more show. No more show car status for a couple weeks. We're we're looking forward to, to getting some racing in. So sweet. You're going to Epping. You'll be eating lobster, right? You have clam chowder. Going to Boston. Is that where you're flying into? Yep. As of right now. You gonna wear? You gonna wear your Angels jersey? Yeah. No, I should get my brother-in-law a Boston hat though, because he's all into baseball and whatnot. That is Boston, right? Boston. Uh, yeah. Red Sox. Red Sox. Sox. Okay. Yeah. I, lo- I love the fact that you're a West Coaster. You got all those sports teams out there, and you could care less about sports. A lot of sportsing going on around here. A lot of sports. A lot of sportsing. <laughs> well, Cam, I don't have a big rant. I don't have a big rant this week. Um, want to get down to business. Business. Um, want to let everybody know that Cam is wearing one of our stylish racers and rental cars throwback tees. Stop by, get you some swag for the Fourth of July. Got flat bill hats, dad's It'll hats. It'll look great if you cut the sleeves off and look like Super America, dude. What is? Maybe even throw on a racers and rental cars dad hat. <sighs> Chicks dig the dad hat. Is that? Hey, leave my dad hat alone. I like the dad hat. I'm sorry, I'm not cool enough to wear a flat bill. Hey, man. One day, one day, I'm 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 like 15 years older than you, and you still think that one day I'm going to be cool enough to wear a flat bill. There's still hope for you. For the flat bill or being cool. Both. Ah, that's my co-host. Appreciate it. I'm working. I'm working on the dad hat myself. You know, being a dad now and all, it, it it's kind of certain to be right there in the territory. <laughs> yeah, you let me know how Ange thinks about the the dad hat. You let me, cl- clue me in on that. Okay, sound good. Well, look, let's get down to business. Wanna, I want to talk about someone who took in. They're a motorsports professional, but they took in their first uh, NHRA drag race from the world of NASCAR a few weeks back. Caught an article. That was entertaining and then did, you know, the the deep dive, which when I say deep dive, that's a reference to Google uh, and SEO. As I researched and researched background, the individual and their involvement in the lovely sport of NASCAR. How did I find out that, you know, they hang out in the great state of North Carolina? Uh, so got some Tar Heel questions to ask to see maybe perhaps they are truly a North Carolinian or not but um young young lady kelly crandall got a huge following in the nascar world uh been writer for racer.com which uh, is kind of a, a go-to for like all forms of motorsports i'm sure it's probably uh, a lot more popular than nhra.com <laughs> uh, because it's got so many other forms of motorsports on it but um Want to give uh, give Kelly a call? Talk to her about her crossover, if you will, from the NASCAR uh, round round to uh, drag NHRA drag racing of going straight, and uh, we'll see what other topics in the PR world that we might be able to uh, maybe scratch the surface with and get some expertise in. 
So sweet. Uh, right. Hit her up. Let's get. Let's see if we can get Kelly on the phone. Are you there, Kelly? I am here. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello. <laughs> Kelly, well, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule because I know the NASCAR world is uh, probably a little bit more of a news cycle than us NHRA drag racing is over here. Our news cycle doesn't seem to, to go round and round like the, uh, the 24-7 of the NASCAR world does. So uh, thank you very much for taking some time out and coming over. Yeah, anytime. So it's funny, today is Tuesday, so I have my uh, usual column for Racer Due, so I had to get that done. And then I was out recording some podcasts this morning. So yeah, it seems like there's always something going on. Well, you being involved in the NASCAR world and coming over, tell us a little bit about your story, your your background. Give our listeners, um, you know, as we say in the marketing world, let's hear the elevator pitch. <laughs> uh, all right, so long story short, I got into NASCAR... Uh, preteen, uh, the death of Dale Sr. obviously was the number one topic in, in the sports world at that time. So uh, I heard my dad and one of his one of our family friends constantly talking about how they had to watch the July race at Daytona when NASCAR went back to the track that Dale Sr. had died on. So for months, I just kept hearing them talk about watching this race, how important it would be, how special it was going to be. And Sure enough, that race rolled around, and I just sat down in front of the TV, watched it, and literally, it was it was love at first sight, I guess you could say. <laughs> so I I was hooked ever since then. And then by the time I was a teenager, I was reading everything I could read and collecting everything I could collect, and wasn't missing a practice or a qualifying session, and uh, was full blown obsessed at that point. And then by the time I got to high school, it was one of those things where I at that point I was discovering that I loved to write. So I love to write and I loved racing. And I said, let's combine these two and, and try and make a career, career out of it. So I knew pretty early on this is what I wanted to do. And, and like I said, it was, it was love for NASCAR at first sight and I haven't looked back. That's, that's the pretty, short version. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, so do you specifically write for Just Racer or, or do you freelance for other stuff as well? Yeah, when I get a chance, I like to, I, I try and freelance for, for other people. Like I'll do some, <coughs> uh, some program stories for the track for different tracks. Um, I think I do mostly Bristol and Charlotte. Um, I'll do, I mean, if, if there's a project that comes up that I get pitched for, you know, if somebody needs help with, uh, I'll make sure racers fine with it. And I'll try and for, so I, I'll try and freelance as much as I can. I think one of the topics that you guys wanted to talk about is marketing and branding and trying to make some money in racing. So wherever you can try and pull in that money, yeah. right? We're, we're, we all work in racing. You need to try and pull money from somewhere. So uh, racer is the primary gig, but uh, they're very, very awesome in letting me freelance as long as it doesn't uh, conflict with what I've got going on with them. That's cool. Yeah, definitely being uh, in the motorsports industry, you have to wear a lot of hats because it takes a lot of money to do it or and all that stuff. My brother's a writer as well, and he it's the same thing. It's like you got you to gotta figure it out wherever you can, you know, and wherever you fit in the, in the world of, of writing. And writing about motorsports could probably, I can imagine that'd be pretty, uh, quite a tough nut to crack, but it sounds like you're doing a great job at it. So I tell people all the time, I work in racing, so I, I pay to do my job. <laughs> like, I don't, it's very hard to make money on this side of things. So I try to laugh about it, but yeah, everybody Sounds knows. like being a it, professional race car driver. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it's hard. So, um, but again, I get treated very well by racer and, and they, they know that I've got to pay the bills. So between them and, and getting to freelance, it's, it's, it's awesome. 
Nice. Well, one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to bring you on, you had mentioned that you do a lot of stuff with Bristol Drag or Bristol Motor Speedway in general. Um, a couple weeks ago, we the NHRA Tour was uh, in Bristol for one of our national events, and you happened to be covering that event, and it happened to be your first drag race experience, I hear? Yeah, so I, I'm i very close, and I, or I have a great relationship with the folks over at Toyota, and of course, they do a lot in NASCAR, and now they, they are working with some teams over in NHRA. So the idea came from them, because they're like, hey, we would love to have you do a story on one of our teams, because again, I, I've worked closely with them, and I've done a lot of stuff with them on the NASCAR side, so they love to pitch me stories, we love to work together, so they said, hey, let's let's go to let's go to Bristol because it was a cup series off weekend for NASCAR uh, that weekend. So let's go to Bristol. We'll get you out there. We'll meet everybody and, and really take it in. Now I grew up in New Jersey, uh, maybe 30, 40 minutes from what was English town raceway park. So I know NHRA I've watched Rest it on peace. TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of upset people up there. Yeah. Uh, so I know NHRA I, I, I've, I've seen it. I've watched it. Uh, I could hear it from my backyard. I used to work at the concession stand at, at English town, but I don't ever really remember taking it in. Like I, I don't remember really being there and watching and paying attention. So that's why I say this was my first experience. So I went with Toyota and was in, embedded with Coletta Motorsports, Team Coletta, got to go down the starting line and be in the pit area, their hospitality area, and really it was like, it was up close and personal, couldn't get much closer unless they put me in the car, which they were joking about, I said, no, hold your horses, I'm, I'm good right where I am, so. No, nah, it's not that bad. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was my first experience, and uh, they made sure I did it right, for sure. Yeah, you got to, you got a, sounds like you got a bird's eye view of watching Doug Coletta kick my butt first round. <laughs> So it was, you know, we were down on the starting line and then at one point somebody grabbed me and then they, they motioned for me to follow them and they walked me right up next to the left lane Christmas tree, the, the outside left lane Christmas tree. That was, I, I couldn't have been any closer. Uh, it was right next to Connie Coletta was standing up there by his golf cart. So I was like, this is just unbelievable. It was uh, absolutely an incredible experience and it, one of those things where if I was going to do it for the first time, I'm glad it was people who made sure that I experienced everything there was to experience. Right. That's one of the cool things that with drag race. And we always talk about, you can see it, feel it, hear it and touch it. And you know, the access to, I mean, I know you got a little bit of a VIP treatment when it came to like going on the starting line and stuff, but for the most part, I mean, you can get pretty close if you're just a general fan and you can go in the pits without having to have a special ticket or whatever, meet the drivers and, you know, it's it's cool that uh, you got to experience our world a little bit, you know, from what uh, what you're used to, and you know, that's pretty rad. Yeah, that's that's what I tried to hit on with, and I wasn't planning on writing that for Racer.com when I wrote about the experience, but I was just, I really was so impressed not just obviously with how close I was, but you just said you, know, you get to feel it, you get to hear it, you get to touch it, and I admitted <sighs> af afterwards that I was not expecting it to be that strong like I was not expecting it to to feel it that much and to and for it to be that loud so that's why I wanted to talk about it and really share that and 
you mentioned, you know, the access and, and I was taking note of that. Yes, I got to be, of course, on the other side of the rope, I guess you would say. But to, I was paying attention to, you know, where the grandstands were and how close they were. And then you mentioned being down in the pits and you don't need special access and the drivers and the teams are right there. There's nobody hiding in a sense. It's very different from NASCAR where there's haulers and motor homes and you have to have special access to the garage and you have to have special access uh, to get to pit road and, and all this other stuff. So I'm not dumping on what we do in NASCAR, but it is a very different experience. And it was very interesting to get to see that and, and see how different it is and how another sport um, can really say, hey, we've got just as much uh, up close and personal access as you could want. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, that being said, let, let's let's chase a little more there. How long have you been doing covering NASCAR? So this year, I want to say is my sixth or seventh full year being on the road. Uh, before that, I was writing for different online publications, and I would get to maybe a race or two here or there, but uh, full time on the road. This is my seventh year, and then again, I've I've been writing online you know i wouldn't call it professionally but just being self-published i would say maybe 10 11 years now i think i started doing it back with bleacher report when it was just a a simple hey anybody can create a username and publish stuff i did that back when they were first really coming on the scene uh and i think that was back in like 2008 so it's it's been a while okay so what give me give me three things that NASCAR does well and three things that drag racing does well. Just three. <laughs> just three. Oh man. Hmm. Well again, I think they both they both do their access very well. It's just different. You know, NASCAR NASCAR's access you can still get in the garage. You can still get right up in person, close, uh, per close and personal to the race cars, to the teams. Um, you just, you have to know how to get it right. Like I think in, I think in drag racing, uh, Cam, you said you don't have to buy a special ticket or a special pass where in NASCAR, you've got to know, essentially know the right people to get hot passes as, as we call them. You have to know, uh, or you have to, if racetracks have certain tickets to get into the infield and to get to pit road. So I would say they, they both do their access very well. It's just different. Um, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't really know where I would go after that in terms of like, I, I think NASCAR is doing a better job or does a good job when it comes to uh, driver engagement. I think that's gotten much better over the years, and uh, especially with social media. Um, NASCAR really took to Twitter uh, years ago when, when that started to come becoming a major platform for, for uh, sports teams. And there's a lot of drivers who are fully engaged with it and, and want to be on there and they want to share behind the scenes. They want to share even their personal lives. Uh, of course, there's some drivers who stay away from it because it can be a very uh, hideous place sometimes. Um, so I think NASCAR does very well with how much they try and use social media. There's sometimes though, where it's a double-edged sword and I say that it's, it's a little too much how focused they, they get on it. Um, but again, I, I think it's a, it's a judgment call. I think they do it very well when it comes to uh, teams, drivers are on there, 
Um, they they use, I think they put in-car cameras. You can log on to Twitter and go on in-car cameras and do stuff like that. So I, I would say they do that well. Um, man, for a third one. Hmm. I guess what quickly comes to mind is they started doing the, uh, I think kids under a certain age get in for free at, at truck and Xfinity races. So, um, you got to start them young, I guess is what everybody says. So I, I don't think that hurts. I think that helps. So, um, you know, ticket prices are always a sensitive or a sensitive subject, but for the most part, I still think you can go to NASCAR races for pretty cheap. So I, I would say those are the three things that, that quickly come to mind. If I had time probably to sit down and really dig in, and, and think about it. I'm sure I could come up with some more, but those are the three things. Okay. Nice. Now let's, let's, let's go after drag racing. <clears throat> well, so again, I mean, I only have one day of one weekend to go by, but um, again, I was blown away by their access. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing that really impressed me was there's not, there wasn't a lot of like downtime. Like there like the day, was it wasted in a sense? Like you got there and we know when qualifying is going to be, uh, we know when we had to be on track and in between that time, you know, you're working on the car, right? Like it just didn't seem like there was just wasted time throughout the day. There was always something on track. Uh, if it wasn't funny cars or top fuel, it was, I think junior dragsters were there that weekend. If, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yep. what was it? Was it pro stock? Was it, I think it was, or mountain motor pro stock was there and pro yeah. Bond. And pro mod. So, um, I really liked that. Like I, I liked the fact I didn't feel like we were just sitting around waiting for something to happen. There was always something on track. Uh, the fans always had something to do. They could either be in the pits or be in the grandstands. And the, again, the teams, like there wasn't just wasted time where you're sitting around waiting like, okay, well, uh, the car's done. Now we're just going to sit here and wait for, you know, a NASCAR. Okay. We're going to sit and wait for inspection or we're going to sit and wait to roll out to the grid. Like I just felt like everything flowed one, one thing after another. And there's just always something to do or, or be looking at. So I, I would say that would be another, uh, a second thing. That's quite the positive. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I, I guess because so in NASCAR, like I go to the racetrack and let's just say, you know, Friday, for instance, you know, we know there's going to be practice and maybe qualifying, but you know, yeah, for us media, we'll have a few media availabilities. But other than that, the, you know, the teams are working on their cars, but you can only work on your car for so long in NASCAR. Eventually, you're going to be sitting around waiting to either go through inspection or you're going to be waiting to roll the car out to pit road for qualifying. And then you're just sitting on your hands waiting for that four o'clock qualifying session or whatever it may be. It's so, so funny to think that because, you know, coming from the drag racing world, you think, oh, man, drag racing is only for four seconds and then oh right yeah, then you just sit on your hands but it's funny to to because i guess people don't realize that i mean yeah a nascar race is four hours long but in order to get to that four hours there's a lot of things that have to be accomplished and that's kind of fun that's a that's a cool yeah. uh, observation and again i only had one day to take in your world right so maybe it's not like that all the time but the day that i was there it seemed like okay they worked on that car they they got the, the they got that car ready to go they warmed it up they went to the staging lane, they made the run, they went back to the pit, they did the same thing over again. It just, it didn't seem like anybody was standing around doing nothing. Um, and again, I'm not saying we do that in NASCAR, but there's times where it can seem like, okay, there's really, this is a dead time. This is a downtime. There's nothing going on. Um, I think that's maybe the, the comparison that I was going for. Okay. All right. Well, now let's, uh, 
Well, that's some that's some good observations. <laughs> I, I I know without a shadow of a doubt, NASCAR does social media better than we do. There's I, I can't remember what race it was that Brad Keselowski pulled out his phone and was and on Twitter during the red flag. I forget what yeah. race that was, and it broke. That was I, Daytona uh, 2012, the Daytona 500. I, and I think it was like one of the largest largest feeds <laughs> that night. I mean, he's taking pictures, and then you know, of course, at that point, NASCAR had to say, "Okay, guys, uh, this, you know, we gotta have a we gotta have a plan here." But they yeah, they, we don't let we don't let uh, phones in the car anymore. But you know, they took that part of it away. But they turned around and said, "But we're still going to embrace social media. Right. We're just going to do it in a different way." Yep. For sure. Yeah, we don't we we have a we have a challenging social media policy at times uh, for us in drag racing. And, uh, you know, you were at Bristol and I think a couple weeks ago they changed the policy at Norwalk again. Uh, so it's um, I think they're I think our our executive teams are trying to learn or, or, or maybe get through. They're, they're trying to, you know, get through the forest, if you will. To, I don't know what your policy is, and, I, and I, I'm sorry for asking that, but but I didn't realize there was a policy for you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a policy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so, social media content is only available at certain periods for, for, for teams to post video from the starting line. In-car camera shots have to be approved. Um yeah, that's a it's a little controlling. I, I mean, maybe we should have maybe we should have her read the read the rules and see if she can interpret it for us a little more. Oh yeah, we could totally send it to her and then like have her back on or, or hack that. <laughs> Ke- Kelly, Kelly, you could write your own blog post about that. We would be more than glad to. Uh, it's challenging. Oh my goodness! And, and, and I, I didn't know that. Present. I didn't know there was a policy. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's like okay. So at some point we're going to, I'm going to find somebody that is kind of open about like sports marketing management and, and like the ones, um, to talk completely about listening to another podcast. I was listening to Kelly Earnhardt talk about her relationship with DEI and, and going to work for, you know, for Dale Jr. and, and so forth. And then to Hendrick about how she was man, you know, how the management style of what, people's value is of content and so forth and i believe i gotta find somebody like that that completely understands the the content control if you will so that you don't devalue your content but at the same time you bring value to it um and i think that's kind of where we are sometimes in our sport we're we're still because it's so impactful, there's a lot of drag racing content that gets generated over the course of a week or a weekend during race weeks, and I think that we lose some of it because we, it's, you know, drag racing is so quick, it's fast, <laughs> it's not four hours long, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a lap is, you know, Cam goes four seconds or three seconds, and I'm over here going six seconds at 200 miles an hour, he's going three, you know, it's done that quick, but that video content... You, you, it's it's instant. It's ready to go. You've got you know GoPros or whatever, and you're ready to roll with it. And you can get it out there and you know overwhelm social media with it to be impactful for your sponsors and your partners way before any TV production's done uh, from the from the production side. 
It's um, it's funny because the more you talk about it, it makes me think of Ar- the Arca Menard series because they don't do social media on their official channels either. I think it's one of those things where they would rather you go and sign up for their website and get the information there and they don't put anything on their, like, especially their Twitter page. And I know a lot of fans and there's a lot of people in NASCAR who are like, hey, can we know what's going on with your series? And they don't put anything out there. Well, I I wouldn't say that they're that because they do have social media people that for NHRA, they do, they go around and they create content about the event each day and so forth. And they catch, you know, they do, you know, Facebook live and, and Instagram TV and things of that nature. They are doing it at their level. It's just a matter of when it comes out. Well, yeah, for them, but then it's the trickle down effect of them, you know, teams, are only in a certain window. They have certain requirements that have to be met before a team can, you know, uh, produce and then post or share a piece of social media content. Because in in, in defense of of NHRA, though, I think I think some of that is is more so Fox, because I feel like they Fox doesn't you know they're paying all this money to produce these shows and they don't want everybody to know the answers before. It airs on TV, which because a lot of our stuff is delayed, it's not live. So that was the second aspect, thing that I was going to say is I wonder if it has a lot to do with TV because you guys are yeah. the the program's edited down, right, and it's shown later. Yep. Yeah, right. And and I get that, and I mean that that makes a lot of sense. It's just I mean there's no right answer when it comes to social media, if you ask me, because every, there's <laughs> so many different elements that you know the people can't control. I mean, yes, we want the we want the content quick, fast, and in a hurry. But the people that don't live on social media, it ruins the show. And, you know, the, the FS1 or whatever, who's streaming it or whatever. I get it. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. There's, there's no right answer. Oh, there never will be. There, well, I mean, I shouldn't say there never will be. I think control is, a, obviously, it's an illusion. But also, at the same time, uh, when you can control your content and your value, um you can always be impactful about it. So it's just one of those things I think that we'll just work through a little bit at a time. Um, that being said, let's transition over. You're a writer. I've seen, you know, you've got some great shows and articles posted up for some of the NASCAR people that you've interviewed. As a writer, you know, Cam and I talk a lot about self-promotion. You know, you have to have, everybody's got a backstory. Everybody's got a human interest angle uh, to be doing great things for their, you know, potential partners or looking to impact sponsors and so forth. You as a writer, what are you looking for? Because uh, obviously I, I should say, it, you know, add this. We all can't, you know, all of you cannot write about Kyle Bush dominating in a race weekend. At some point, it becomes the same regurgitated information with just, you know, 15 different people's points of view or perspective, right? So, obviously, you're looking for other things to write about that really do, you know, matter and they mean something uh, to communicate to the to the fans and, and to the industry. There you go, Cam. And so, what are you Don looking- likes to say, industry. <laughs> So what are you looking for as a writer? Storyline-wise, that's really interesting because I think about this a lot, is there's 
going to be the people in the NASCAR Media Center who show up and their job is to just tell you what happened and explain what happened in the race, who did what. Uh, and they will hit all the headlines of what's going on in the sport. Uh, that's great. We all have to write the news, right? We all got to cover the sport. Like I said, we're going to talk about Kyle Busch dominating. Uh, today, for instance, my column that I was finishing up before talking to you guys was writing about the dominance of Gibbs and Penske and how just so far ahead they are of everybody else. It's ridiculous. It's, it's comical to me at this point. Um, so we're all going to do that. You're, you're always going to hit the headlines. For me, though, I don't want to just be that person who sits there and tells you uh, what everybody else is telling you. I want to tell stories. That, that's one of the things that I personally love to do, and it's something that over the years I've gotten a lot of feedback on that, that people will tell me, you can tell a story, you need to go tell a story, you need to go find something. Um, and so that's what I want to do. Like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with the news, I'm going to tell you what happened during, during the week, during the weekend. But there's also 40 drivers in the field, and we have three different series. That's 40 drivers, um, that's 40 crew chiefs, and then all those pit crew guys, all those team owners. And, and like I said, it's three different series. You've got rookies, you've got veterans, you've got guys who have scratched and clawed from nothing to get where they are. You have uh, drivers who have ridden around or start and parked and now are getting opportunities and great equipment. You have people like Kyle Busch who goes from being the wild child to a champion who just seems to be getting better as he goes. So there's so many stories out there. And again, that's what I pride myself on is, is go find people with interesting stories and go dig into um, what other people aren't talking about. And it's the same thing with the podcast. Yeah, I, granted, I started the podcast because I would walk away from those interviews and say to myself, I really wish people could hear the audio version of that. Like, I really wish they could hear it and hear the tone in the driver's voice when they were telling that story. So that's how the podcast started. But the podcast now, the focus is to get people to sit down like you were hinting at in the beginning of sit down in that chair and and be a human interest story. And a lot of the times we may not talk about the here and now of what's going on with their season. I want to talk about their career. I want to talk about how they got here. I want to talk about what they're doing during the week to get better. Or um, I want to like a Jeb Burton. I want to talk about how much are you personally on the phone trying to make deals happen to get in a race car and and things like that. So um, that's my approach is I will give you the news and do my job. That's what I'm here for. But I'm also going to go out and trying to find stuff that nobody's talking about or maybe what I think is a really interesting story that's not getting attention. Damn, Cam. She sounds like she might be somebody <laughs> ready to write about you. <sighs> yeah, right? <laughs> hey, I'm always up for a story. I tell people all the time, the most frustrating thing in my job, and this has actually been an interesting topic over the years with different between myself and colleagues or PR people, is I, I get frustrated when PR people or drivers are not pitching themselves. Like I feel like people should be pitching their own stories. I don't, I don't think it should always be a one way street where we, the media are trying to go out and find stories like, like PR people and drivers, they should be coming to us and being like, Hey, I understand you're trying to sell me something, but at the same time, if you have a really good story or you have something really interesting going on in your life, why aren't you pitching that to somebody? And uh, we always talk about that. Like, there's a few of us who talk about that in NASCAR. There, there needs to be more PR people who take it upon themselves to put their driver out there or put somebody on their team out there if they have a really good story. 
It sounds like you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I, that's again, that's just my approach. There, because like I started off with, there's people, and I won't name names, but there's people that I know are just there to tell you what happened that that race weekend. They sit inside and they're going to tell you who qualified on the pole and who won the race, and they're going to go home and they'll repeat the process next week. And that's what they're that's what they get paid to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to hit the pace car, <laughs> and then I'm going to write about it. <laughs> and I'm going to sit here and eat some ice cream. Yeah, and wait on driver availability. All right. So that being, yeah, I had a funny tweet about that the other day. I don't know if anybody saw that. <laughs> oh, I must have missed that one. Do tell. So, so I don't know if you guys follow uh, Richard Deitch, but he's another reporter. Uh, he's now with the Athletic, and he does a sports media podcast where, uh, and he does a sports media column where he just covers sports media. It, it literally is just that. It's sports media. It's how people do their jobs. Uh, how they cover their respective sports, so on and so forth. And he, his most recent column was really, really fascinating, where he talked to 25 uh, reporters like Shannon Spake and, or, um, gosh, I can't remember all of them, but just p- names you would recognize from the NBA to NHL to wherever, just recognizable sports reporters. And the topic was um, – just talk about people who have doubted you along the way and how you've proved them wrong. And uh, so when you start talking about, you know, sitting inside and eating ice cream, I replied to his tweet with four pictures of the recent sneakers I had just thrown out that I, that I call my track shoes. They're my racetrack shoes. And I had literally worn the bot, like they had a hole in the bottom to my sock. You could see my sock. I had worn these shoes out. And uh, so I was laughing when you said that because I was told along the way a long time ago that I would be nothing but another hack in the media center who sat inside and ate the free food. So when you when you uh, start talking about that, that's what made me think of that. <laughs> wait, wait, Cam, wait, don't they? I, I I think I've heard I've heard references to that sometimes of some of the PR people over on the drag racing side. Yes, maybe. Okay, Gobo. <laughs> <laughs> My politically correct top fuel professional driver. Kelly, so let's let's go a little further because that's interesting that you bring up the fact that the drivers and the PR staff aren't self-promoting. They're they're not doing that. And we talk well, a not lot. All of them. I don't want I don't want to dump on everybody but uh, okay that's yeah. <laughs> it, uh, so let's do that. We talk about that a lot about you've got to be your own cheerleader, right? So Cam's Cam's doing his deal. I'm doing my deal. Neither one of us ha- ha- spend money on PR people because we're our own people, right? We're we're doing it the best we possibly can. Oh. What? Oh, you froze there you there are. For a second. <laughs> Sorry, you froze. I think I'm getting ready to cough here for a second. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting choked up about this because I'm starting to get I'm starting to get spun up. Um, <laughs> feel my heart rate racing. So we talk about that. Do writers in NASCAR? You, you said that you wish that they did it more. Do riders in NASCAR get turned off by people that are their own cheerleaders? Like, let's, let's say we're over-the-top cheerleaders. We've we, we got cheerleading, like, tapped out. We are doing everything we possibly can to make sure that someone is talking about us 24-7 in some way, shape, or form. Are there riders out there that get turned off by that? And if they do, what generation are they in the motorsports PR world? So you're talking about like the drivers and teams that are trying to sell themselves and be their cheerleaders. Correct. Yeah. So 
I mean, I'm not going to speak for any of my colleagues, but yeah, I, I, I do. Um, if you're, there's a difference between being your, your own cheerleader and trying to promote yourself and tell a good story and then only coming to the media when you're trying to sell something from your sponsor. Like that, that's the part that bothers me is come to the media to tell a good story of something you got going on in your life or something that's going on with your race team or how hard you're working or anything to that effect. Don't come to the media when you only need us to talk about how your sponsor maybe is doing a giveaway or your sponsor is doing a promotion or your sponsor is going to be on your race car for three races and it's going to be a really cool paint scheme. Um, I understand you have to do that because, again, you're, you're, that's your sponsor. That's your partner. You're trying to get them attention. The bothersome part is, like I said, don't come to the media when you only want to come to us for that. But you don't want to work with us or you don't want to deal with us if, if for a story. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to speak for my colleagues. Uh, but I get turned off by that. I don't, I don't like that at all. I, I want it to be a two-way street of, uh, hey, I need you guys to do my job. I need you guys to be open and honest and willing to talk for me to tell stories and, and, and tell what happened or the race. Um, and I want you guys to need me to tell your story as well. Um, so yeah, I, I in my, in my approach, the way I do things, I, I don't like it when it's a one-sided street or you're only going to use me to sell a product. All right. So give us one driver that does that. <laughs> no, no I don't want, I'm not gonna get I don't want to get myself in trouble honestly I will honestly say I don't think I've had that happen yet this year I don't nothing stands out where somebody has come to me for for something as outrageous as that but it's happened before <laughs> I know some people that are like that Cam Ooh, you me no I'm just kidding yeah no I do I do as well I but what's it's funny to hear a different perspective on that because being a driver sometimes you feel like I mean obviously you're not like that but some of these reporters and writers or whatever it's like sometimes there's so many store like in drag racing at least we have all there's a lot of really good stories out there and they don't cover them and they just continue to cover the same jargon every week and it's like dude how about you know did you see what happened to so and so on the way to the races and what it took him to get there or it's like that to me as a fan is way more entertaining than what you yeah. know the top person so did again for the ninth there's time. there's a few stories i've done over the years like one of the ones that comes to mind and it's a little old now i did it a couple years ago when i was at nbc sports but i did a story of like how brennan Poole just simply got into NASCAR and it was because he was at the toy store when he was like what five six whatever it was and he saw one of those uh, battery powered cars and he wanted one and he started using that to tear up around the house and he want and after that he wanted to get into racing like stories like that you know like it's not always about how you performed on the racetrack you know how did you get into racing who was your biggest cheerleader uh Eric Jones had a really good story recently talking about how his father, who uh, passed away, his father sold at the at the time when when Eric was younger. His father sold one of his, um, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like one of his. 
I don't think it's antique, but like one of one of one of his, I think it was Camaro or a Corvette at the time. So like a really old, uh, collectible uh, hot rod or something. Hot rod, yeah, something like that. I don't, I'm, there's a word I'm missing here. Um, and Eric has very fond memories of spending time with his dad in that car. You know, maybe going out to the store or working on it at the house or whatever it was. And his dad sold that car to help finance and keep Eric racing, to keep him racing something so that he can move up the ladder and get people's attention and make sure that he was on the racetrack. And you turn around all these years later, uh, Eric's dad passes away. and Eric's able to track down and find that car and buy it back. Like that car is tied into why he's a race car driver and tied into his career. And so it's like you said, stories like that, you know, it's go find good stories that are out. Everybody has a story. And yeah, one of the things that I was surprised with 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 NHRA is when I started, you know, just simple Google searches on, um, you know, the team Coletta uh, drivers and team members and all that. I, I turned to uh, one of the folks from Toyota and I said, "There's not a lot out there, and this is a top team. This is this team's been around for sixty years, and there's not like why can't I find <laughs> stuff on on uh, on people?" So. Um, can we clone yeah. you and steal you for the NHRA <laughs> side of things? Yes. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be able to be able to do more. So, like I said, I think I think Toyota they they definitely want me to do stuff with them, but I'll have to come spend more time over there with you guys and and do some more stuff for sure. Well, I, uh, Cam, you you chat. I'm going to look at my calendar here and see if she's available for the Charlotte race. Yeah. Uh, where Charlotte? Where the NASCAR series is going to be when we come to Charlotte? Oh, man, I always feel like that falls on Talladega weekend. So we're in Charlotte the week of the 7th of October. Mm, I'm going to pull up my calendar while we're doing it because I Here, feel like well, that's we're, Talladega We're, we're, we're going to have to have you over. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and that's so funny is obviously there's the four wides uh, and Z-Max right here in Charlotte, and I've never been. I've never been. That's crazy. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so we're we're not going to hold you hold you hostage very long. But so Kelly, something that we do over here on the show when we have guests, we have different questions that we ask that you have to answer, you know. <laughs> and but but they're you know they're they're just the the truth, you know. Um, we're about being truthful over here, and and, and we want to we want to know the truth. Um, so for you, what is who is not what who is your favorite NASCAR inter- person to interview? Mm. There's a couple. Um... Recently, when I got to sit down and do 20 minutes, just me and Jimmy Johnson, Insiders Motorhome at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Jimmy is always a great interview. Um, he's very open, very honest. Uh, he really thinks about the question before he jumps in and tries to answer. And I tell a lot of young drivers about that. I always reference Jimmy when it comes to if you're going to go and look at interviews to kind of learn uh, how to feel comfortable in front of the media. I always reference Jimmy because he really sits and uh, will will listen to your questions. So he he's a good one. Um, you know, David Reagan is another one that if you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. And uh, it's not going to be a two-second soundbite. He's going to give you maybe a two-minute to three-minute answer to your question. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately just in the sense of uh, – 
you think about he's been around for so long and it's like I don't understand why more people are picking his brain about topics in the sport because he's been here and he's seen it and he's done it and yeah he's not out there winning races but he loves this sport and he's got an opinion and he wants to tell you all about it and, and tell you about uh, how this how he thinks the sport can be successful so he's another good one um hmm when Brendan Gaughan was still driving, I love talking to him. Brendan is uh, not just because he's a character, but he's another one that's very honest and always gave me time. Uh, didn't matter what was going on. He, he, you know, hey, come on over. Let's talk. Uh, and I, I guess the last one, I'll give you another one, would be Brad Kozlowski. Uh, the latest example is Brad did not have a very good night at Charlotte during the, during the 600. He uh, ran very, very well, was very, very fast, and then blew a tire or he hit the wall, he, he lost power steering, hit the wall, and then spun with like five laps to go. And uh, I thought for sure he was just not going to be, you know, not going to be in a talkative mood. Um, but I walked up to his car, and I gave him a moment to get out. He looked. At, he was looking at the car, kind of, I could see he was just kind of digesting. And I always try and like to give a driver, you know, a minute, let them know, they can see me, let them know I'm there. And uh, he said, come on, Kel. And uh, we, he started walking up pit road and his answers weren't, you know, five minutes long, but he gave me something and I appreciated that. So he's always a good one too. All right. I'm going to go with my next question being, who are the three people that you don't like interviewing? <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You would rather eat ice cream <laughs> Then interview blank. Oh my gosh, you guys are really trying to get me in trouble. I feel like I've a- if I answer these questions, I'm not going to be able to do my job anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, you're, they're going to hear girl's going to be fired after being yeah. on racers' rental cars. Way to go, Don. They're going to hear this interview and be like, well, we're not going to put up with her anymore. Uh, right? You know. Oh, oh come on! Cool. The drivers were actually love, listening. Love, to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, that's where I was going, Cam. Thank you. I'm going to say, Kelly. No one <laughs> in the NASCAR world is listening to racers in rental cars. <laughs> I honestly, and not that I'm trying not to answer the question. Honestly, I've been very lucky in my career that no driver has personally done anything against me or not made me want to talk to them or blown me off like me one-on-one uh maybe in like a group setting if there's like three or four of us there trying to get comment and that driver doesn't want to talk that's one thing you know if kyle bush had a bit has had a bad day he has walked off with all of us walking behind him and won't say a word um you know but i've been very lucky to where no driver has ever blown me off or taken it personal or said anything negative to me personally um so honestly i, I honestly can't answer that question because i've not i guess maybe i haven't been in the sport long enough to where i haven't gotten uh crapped on by enough people to where i say oh i don't want to go deal with them i will say that yeah there's some drivers who are easier to talk to than others uh you know chase elliott and and i don't think i'm saying anything out of line here chase can be a very difficult interview whether it's one-on-one or in a group setting there's just times where uh, he's just not talkative and he doesn't want to do anything. Um, so really that'd be the only one that stands out, but me one-on-one I've, I've never, whether it's been drivers or PR people, I've been very lucky that nobody's been uh, a real snot about it. So again, in group settings, if something's happened or, or people just don't want to talk, that's one thing. Uh, but that's normal with all athletes. <laughs> nice. All right. My question's a little bit easier than Don's, but <laughs> with the name of the, with the name of the podcast being racers and rental cars, you, I'm sure, travel a ton. 
and uh, are in a rental car quite a bit, I can imagine, as we all are. Um, and I'm just curious if NASCAR people are the same way when it comes to rental cars as drag racers. Any sort of uh, rental car exploit that happens to maybe like stick out. Um, <laughs> And uh, we'd like to hear your favorite rental cars. Uh, like, right. you know, are you are you racing it, doing donuts behind the hotel parking lot, putting some uh, some fast food trays underneath the back tires? You know, things like that. That's what we're looking for. You know, the the windshield wipers, squirting your buddies, driving through the pits, et cetera. Yeah. All right. So nothing like that, but I do have a good one for you. So you're you're right. I spent a lot of time on the road, and uh, just to give you a little bit of insight of how I do my job, I fly to one race a year. Everything else, I am driving to. Um, and, and and honestly, it's either in my personal car, um, or I am carpooling with colleagues. Uh, I fly to one race a year, and that's Homestead, Miami, because that's a long ass drive. Um, I'm actually going to make two flights this year because I'm going to Las Vegas for the start of our playoffs. Um, so I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the car, either driving by myself with my personal car, which of course, if I'm doing that, I'm not doing anything stupid. Uh, but I also carpool a lot with colleagues. You know, we, we try to pool our resources and save money. So we're rooming together. We're getting a group of us. We're, we're doing Airbnbs. We're, we're jumping in the car together. Um, so a couple of years ago when I was doing this pretty regularly and there was a it was the same group of us over and over and we were driving to Texas and we were driving to Kansas and Kentucky and, and all these places. We went through a stretch where we kept, we just kept blowing tires on the, on our rental car and I like it. Inopportune times, inopportune places. Um, you know, we had one guy come out who's trying to fix it, but he's like chucking our bags out of the trunk for whatever reason. And I'm about to lose my cool and take my watch off like Richard Childress because I'm getting mad that he's chucking my book bag around. So I guess the, the story that lives on that we always like to tell, and I guess this will, I hope this will, will do for, for this question, is we blew, um, we blew a tire one year. I believe it was on the way back from Kansas. And... It was, oh man, it was maybe one o'clock in the morning. So it was, it was some crazy time. And we were in, I don't know what way we took, but we were in West Virginia. So not a very good place, not a early in the morning, just not a whole lot going on. So we, we get the, we get the people out there to try and come fix the tire. And they say, Hey, if you go down to Walmart, maybe you could, you know, we, we don't have a replacement, maybe just patch it up or whatever the details were. So we go to Walmart, we pull into the Walmart. Again, this is Nowhereville, West Virginia, early in the morning. I stay in the car with one of my other colleagues. One of us goes into the goes into the Walmart. He texts me from inside the Walmart that he is being uh, propositioned by a pregnant lady of the night. We'll be putting it that way. Wow. <laughs> In the way. Uh, Is that in the produce very, section? She was very, <laughs> very persistent. I will uh, leave it at that. So that is uh, that's the one story that stands out. I mean, I've, I've got hotel room stories, too. We, we walked back into a hotel room one day at Talladega a couple years ago, and the AC unit was off the wall. The air conditioner was out of the wall. It was just a hole. There were chairs on the bed. I thought we were in Sochi because at the time, I think the Olympics or something was going on. <laughs> Everybody was talking about how the accommodations weren't good. So, uh, yeah, plenty of stories. If I had to say, I, I, I tell myself all the time, I'm so mad that I don't keep like a journal of 
just things that go on either on the road or in NASCAR or in my career that uh, one day I could have a bestseller. I really need to start keeping track. There you go. I like it. Uh, I, I think you need a different rental car company. You keep getting all these rental cars that are blowing tires out. And, you know. All right, so we got. I got two finals for you, and we're going to let you get out of here. The first one, just because you just brought it up, who's your favorite carpool, buddy? So I have the same I, – I travel with the same group of people. So uh, recently I've been uh, – I've been driving my own car – and she's been driving her own car, but we've been caravanning down the highway. Uh, Deb Williams with ESPNW and racing today. Uh, she's been kind of like my mentor. So I love getting to spend a lot of time with her and traveling with her. But the guy that I spend a lot of time with is Jerry Jordan from Kicking the Tires. And uh, we pool our resources all the time. He's been like a big brother to me. So we travel a lot and we are always driving together. Uh, I think we're actually, we haven't carpooled in a long time together. Um, but I think we're actually going to put the band back together and do it for Kentucky in a couple weeks. So, uh, and then I used to drive with Chris Knight uh, when my boyfriend was on the road before he uh, started working for a company. Uh, we he would join in. Um, there's been a lot of people over the years, but it's it was always the same group of people. Cool. That works. That works. All right. Last question. You get to send one card. One Christmas card. This is my two-parter because I got to get both in. You get to send one Christmas card. Don loves this question. He asks it to every single person. Yeah, everybody. I'm very curious where this is going. One Christmas card to one person in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? Just one. You get one Christmas card. Wow. She's drinking mm-hmm. body armor, too. <laughs> yeah. Mike, fine. She's drinking body armor. One Christmas card to anybody. I would, I would have to think of... No, you got it's today. One Christmas card. One. It could be a mentor. It could be a hey, you're awesome. You're my favorite driver. Uh, it's a good Christmas card. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a good Christmas. I don't think I'd be sending drivers Christmas cards. Well, uh, I, yeah, I'm just saying, like as an example. Yeah. This was a good interview. Appreciate it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'll, I think I would go back to Deb again. Deb has has helped me so much recently over the last couple of years, and really just um, whether it's been somebody to talk to or or uh, obviously go to for advice. I mean, she's been around covering all forms of motorsports for many years, and to hear stories and to hear how things uh, things that she's covered. Or to just get an idea of what professionalism is and like how to cover the sport or how to do things. Um, she has, uh, she's been there since day one and I, I can never go wrong talking to her. So I think, I think that'd be the first one that comes to mind. All right. And we always got to end with this one. <laughs> Cam's chuckling. You get, you get to send one WTF card to somebody. <laughs> one WTF card, somebody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? Well, he's no longer around anymore. I think we finally, I think we're finally rid of him. But uh, probably Brian France. Probably Woo! Brian. <laughs> she went um, straight to the top. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I think he's gone now, so I don't have to worry about that. But <laughs> no, honestly, I would. I just, uh, I think a lot of it. I just, there's just so many questions of why we have done certain things in in the sport or uh, how we approach certain things in the sport rule changes that we've made along the way uh 
yeah, just different things like that have, have made me say out loud sometimes WCF. So that would probably be the the biggest one. Ah, well, <laughs> Kelly, you've been a great interview. And because you're a fellow podcaster and motorsports PR person, we're going to give you opportunity. Send it, do your take, do your, do your sign off. Tell everybody where they can follow you. We're going to. See if we can't let you pick up a few more followers, not only to your podcast, but also following you on Twitter. So uh, give everybody the 411 on Kelly. Yeah, thank. this has been wonderful. It's It's been uh, some different stuff to talk about than I normally think about or talk about, certainly. So I appreciate uh, getting to come on. But yeah, I'm all over the place. So Twitter is at Kelly Crandall, which uh, mostly is NASCAR, but I try and do... Uh, I try and share some fun stuff along the way. Like I like to read, so I try and share books that I'm reading or uh, different, you know, talk crap about different television shows. Uh, but it's a lot of NASCAR, so if you want to know what's going on, uh, that's where you can find it. And the uh, racer.com, of course, can't plug that enough. Again, so lucky to be over there and uh, and get to cover the sport and and do it how I how I feel and see fit. Uh, and then the podcast, yeah, the podcast, the Racing Writers Podcast. That's the, the name's a little weird. I feel like. Uh, but I, hey, I own it, so uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're all over the place, so hopefully people will find it. And yeah, we're seventy-seven episodes in. So uh, Jamie McMurray was a recent guest. Jeb Broughton was a recent guest, and I was out today recording more. So uh, yeah, I, I also have a public Facebook page for for all the same content and uh, Instagram and just a little. I have a very big footprint on the internet, which is probably not a good thing, but. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> yeah people could find me all over so i appreciate the time and appreciate you letting me plug all that well absolutely no thank you very much kelly for being on and uh if there's anything we can ever do for you over here we uh will definitely do our best and we're gonna have to uh send you a couple email invites we got to get you to uh some more nhra racing and let you come hang out with uh you know even though even though Cam is a professional driver, he is over there. He is a grinder away guy as far as being a professional. So we definitely uh, have have to get you over and uh, as we would say, see how the other half live. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to now have uh, interacted and met you guys. So hopefully, I've got some more friends over there, and uh, I certainly hope that I can come back and and do some more stuff when when the schedule aligns. So obviously, it's very difficult with a long NASCAR schedule because I feel like my focus needs to be. Uh, primarily on what's going on over here, but hopefully we can make it happen. I, I'm definitely hooked now. I'm a fan, so uh, I, I'd love to uh, come hang out, see it more, and uh, you know, see you guys, see what you guys got going on, and uh, and of course, I mean, if there's a story, I'm always open for a story or a podcast. So I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> Sweet. Well, we uh, like I said, like Dom said, we greatly appreciate it. You're welcome at the NHRA races anytime. If you ever need anything, feel free to reach out. And per usual. Uh, Thank you to Voice America for allowing us to, uh, and asking us to do this podcast, uh, racepack.com and Streetway Marketing Media. And don't forget, everybody, to log on to racersandrentalcars.com and get your hats, T-shirts, and all things racers and rental cars. And with that, I will see you, Kelly. Thank you very much. And, Don, I'll see you next week. Later. Let's put it-